Well, we are in a series on authority, okay? And today, uh, I'm really, really, I get excited about all of them, but they're all ministering in different ways. And uh, we started this series out uh, a little while back, several weeks back, and um, probably five now, I guess. And um, we started talking about if we're going to literally be the believer and disciple that God wants us to be, that we've got to understand authority. And we've got to not only just understand it, we've got to submit to it and walk in the authority that God wants us to walk in in our life. And so we started out, I'm going to recap to kind of bring us all together uh, in what we've been talking about. And it does me good to kind of recap and get it in my, get it in my own mind and my own head. But we said in order, before we submit to an authority, we need to know if the authority is worth submitting to and the one we need to submit to. And so we said the authority, the ultimate authority is Jesus Christ. And when we look back uh, literally at who he is and the foundation of who he is, we found out he's always been. He's always been. So we looked at the eternality of his authority and literally that he's always been. Then we looked at his exercise authority or his establishment of his authority as he lived on earth, especially in the uh, last three, three and a half years of his life. God released him uh, for a time such as man had never seen, uh, literally where he came and he began to do the works of the one who had sent him here, which was God the Father, began to do the many miracles and lives began to be changed. And we know ultimately he went and he conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that means we got the same power in us as believers. And so that's authority that is literally not, that, that's released in him through him on our life for every situation. We don't tap into it. We don't always walk in it. But that's his heartbeat and his plan. And then we said week three that there's an extension to his authority. And we are the, that, that extension, we being believers in Christ, the church, the ecclesia, the literally called out ones, um, and that we, we are the extension of his authority. As we said right here, we are his hands and his feet. You are his hands and his feet every day of your life if you're a Christ follower and you're a disciple. And then we started breaking it down last week and looking at some specifics in his life that he modeled in his ministry. And for those of you that weren't here, I just want to say what we talked about uh, last week. We talked about the authority of the Christ cross in our life. And this is one area I shared with the nine o'clock that literally over the last three years, God has used the authority of the cross in my life in a way that I'm just absolutely so grateful for. He began to show me, he's used it, he's used it in my life all the way along. Many of you know my life story, some of you do not. And, uh, but uh, was raised in dysfunction, a very violent home, very abusive father. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot, a lot of bad times in my life. Uh, and uh, that I had to go through and I had to press through and had a lot of animosity, a lot of hate, a lot of bitterness, <coughs> excuse me. And so literally, it was through the cross, even in my early 20s, that God began to bring healing into my heart and my life when he showed me the power of the cross and the power of the person on the cross and the love of the person who died on the cross for me, that I put him there and he took my sins. And God began to allow healing to take place in my life that literally was so healthy for me because you know if you're a victim, there's something in you and it's literally a cancer that will eat at you and tear at you and tear you down, even if you're the victim, if someone's wronged you. And so I know that works for somebody today because I know everybody has not been set free by the cross and, and, and there is still a struggle in that. And it is a process. I would encourage you in that. But just allow the Holy Spirit to work that process and bring that to completion in you and you'll find that he'll do it through the cross. He will literally remove that hurt, that pain. That's what he died for. We talked about that's what he died for was our sins and other people's sins uh, against us and how we would be treated. He pardoned us, we said, in looking at the cross 
cross and looking back at what he did some 2,000 years ago. And then starting three years ago, God began to do something in my heart and in my life that absolutely I'm grateful for that has transformed my entire marriage. Uh, and uh, not that it was terrible and not that I was a violent person, but I was a better father than I was a better husband. And so God began to do something in the power of the cross in me and teaching me that I could not love my wife in my own power just like you can't. You can't love one another. Now, you think you can when you first start dating and you get married and you think it's, that you understand the package of love and a lot of it is infatuation, right? But about week three, when he leaves the toilet lid up and you fall in at 3 a.m., you find out that love's not too strong at that point, right? And so, and so you realize, wow, and so there's this concept in our society, and I share this in weddings that I perform and in premarital counseling, there's this concept in our society that says, marry the one you love. Well, that's good, but it's only half good, you see, because what the Bible says is, is that we are to love the one we marry. And there's a big difference. And so love's a process. Love grows in that. And the only way that you're going to find that type of love and you're going to see God bless your marriage and grow in it and in the authority of it is, is when you submit and yield yourself to Jesus Christ and his cross and what he did. So God showed me this, and this is for the married couples in here or those that are, that are planning on getting married. The bottom line, God showed me this. God owns my marriage. God ordained my marriage. And here's what rocked my world. Christ is to be at the center of my marriage. So for me to love Alicia like Christ loved me, I have to literally look through the cross and through the life of Christ. See, because there is no way I would say some of the things to Christ that I've unfortunately said to my wife over the years in those arguments and those, anybody else arguing here that's married or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, a few of you, the rest are liars if you're married. All right, but anyway, um, but we all have that tendency to do that, right? And so that's why, that's why Paul said it to those in Ephesians, that it would have to be the authority of the cross and it would have to be the Holy Spirit producing that love in and through you. So that's just one way the cross has worked in my life. And now we're looking today at the authority of prayer, the authority of prayer in our life and how God wants to use this authority in our life. Next week we'll be looking at the authority uh, of the Word of God in the Bible. So please, I can't encourage you enough to be here next week. I believe God's going to speak to you in a fresh and new way. Uh, next week. And so the authority of prayer in my life. Now look at our key uh, text, if you will. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11 is our key text, and then we'll dive into what it looks like to submit to the authority of prayer and commune with the Father. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now the reason that we, God is doing that and exalting him is because it says in the previous verses, he humbled himself, didn't consider equality with God a thing to be grasped like Lucifer did when Lucifer got kicked out with a third of his angels. And so therefore God has highly exalted him. And that's why when the Bible says, if I be high and lifted up, literally talking about Jesus, if he's high and lifted up, he says, he said, I will draw all men unto myself. That's not even talking about praising him, which we should do. That's talking in the literal context about the cross where he was lifted up on Mount Calvary, that literally he would bring a pardon that would draw all men unto himself that would respond to the saving and uh, grace and the faith of Jesus Christ. So here's the takeaway today. Prayer is vital. Prayer is vital to having a healthy relationship with Christ. So I want to talk with you about the authority of prayer in my, in my life, in your life. Our prayer life, number one, will grow when we are purposeful in praying, okay? 
when we are very intentional, you have to be intentional in this area of your life. You've got to be intentional in general just to be a Christ follower, don't you? And just to be a disciple and be everything that God wants you to, to be. So here's what happens. Prayer is one of the number one ways to keep our relationship with God healthy. See, if we do not have prayer in our life and daily communication with God, we will not have this strong vertical connection. We literally, our spiritual lives will be more horizontal. They'll be all over the place, and they won't have the direct vertical connection. And when we connect vertically on a daily basis, then God takes care of the horizontal. God takes care of everything else in our life. Let me give you an example here about the importance of communication. Um, does anybody by chance know the number one cause of divorce today? It has been the number one cause of divorce that counselors say. It's a lack of communication. It's a breakdown in communication. And I see a lot of you, I see a lot of wives elbowing husbands. I don't know what that says, husbands, but anyway, we'll get there. I, I think I do know what it says. And so we'll talk about um, that a little bit. But I want to I wanna relate this to, to spiritually speaking in our lives, you see. It's that breakdown in communication. And spiritually, the number one cause of apathy, complacency, stagnation, um, is literally a lack of communication, and it affects every area of our life. In fact, we know here that our calling is to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all things. And Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always. And we know that God has given us a unique vision. Every church should have a unique vision that's different than its mission. The mission of the universal church should be the same, to fulfill the Great Commission. But our unique vision is, and what God has given us, literally in that unique, that unique vision, is to to help people find direction in life through the cross of Jesus Christ, and that literally comes by equipping the saints and reaching the lost. And so God's given us a visual. I want everybody to look right over here on this for a while, and here's what I want to show you. If you do not have the vertical connection and line of communication to God, you will not have a healthy lifestyle as the follower he's called you to be. So if you don't communicate with God, you're not going to be taking that first step in discipleship. You're not going to have intimate, intense, intentional worship in your life. Now, you might come and sing a song, but your heartbeat's going to be more entertain me or hurry up and get me out of here. It's going to be your heartbeat if you're not directly talking and communicating with God every day. Your life's not going to become, as Romans 12 talks about, uh, literally uh, your life becoming uh, a worship in a lifestyle, you know, more than a song, but in a lifestyle where it's your reasonable act of service where you're growing and worshiping God. If you don't have a line of communication with God daily, you're not going to communicate in a healthy way and engage with other believers like the early church did. You can't find anywhere with the early church where anybody said they was exempt from connecting with other believers and growing in God's Word together. You will not find it. So they, they connected. That's where they grew in the Word. That's where they kept the lines of communication open between them and God, talking to God, and then talking to one another and helping one another as iron sharpens iron. And so there's got to be that daily communication in that, and that daily biblical fellowship that the Bible talks about. And so the healthiest fellowship in your life as a believer will come in a small group. Okay, not a potluck dinner, uh, and there's nothing wrong with that unless that's all that you're doing. And then serve. If you're not directly communicating with God every day, you're certainly not going to be passionate about using the spiritual gifts that he's given you, that he's given to every believer, a gift mix. And so if you're not communicating with him daily, then there's complacency, there's stagnation, and then certainly one of the hardest things the devil will fight you in um, 
is, uh, is witnessing and sharing your faith and uh, dying to yourself and uh, the fear of rejection that the devil will tell you, and I struggle with that too, uh, so that literally you are leading other people to Jesus and you're sharing your faith and your burden and your compassion as Jesus was um, about the scattered multitudes who did not have a shepherd. And so you just see in that whole process of your life, it all starts with a direct communication with God on a daily, daily basis, not a weekly basis. And so... Um, there is, uh, I heard about a fish called a koi fish. How many ever heard of a koi fish? Because I had not heard of a koi fish. Some of y'all fish lovers, you know, had some of our 9 o'clock people go out and tell me they had some koi fish and I need to come check them out. And anyway, I said, do they taste as good as sardines? I'm joking, I didn't say that. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but I had to go check their koi fish out. But here's what I heard about a koi fish. They say a koi fish, if you take a koi fish and put it in just basically the small type aquarium, it'll grow up to four inches. But if you put it in one of the larger aquariums, it'll grow up to eight inches. But if you put it in a pond, a small pond, it will grow up to 18 inches. But if you put it in a large lake, it has the ability to grow up to 42 inches. Now, what are you saying? Spiritually, what I'm saying is the environment, basically, that you hang out in is very pivotal because it can be, it can keep you from growing and being stretched into what God wants you to be in the fullness of the capacity that he has on your life. So I want you to think long and hard about that. It will shape who you are. That is why it's important to grow with other believers and to get engaged and, and grow in God's Word together. And so how do you keep, when you, we talk about communication, how do you keep communication or how do you keep intimacy in your marriage? I'll never forget this. A marriage counselor telling me this early on in my marriage, and I uh, um, didn't get everything I wished I'd have got or my wife wished I'd have got from him then, but I did slowly over the process begin to learn and, and continuing to learn that to keep intimacy in your relationship, you've got to have communication and you've got to have companionship, but to say it in a way that you stay hooked for life, as he would say it, is you've got to keep doing the things that it took to keep one another. You've got to keep doing those things. You've got to keep dating. You've got to, guys, you've got to keep pursuing. You've got to keep basically securing. Ladies, you've got to keep respecting and affirming, and that's going to take literally uh, Lord in your life and God in your life and the cross in your life as we've talked about, and the same is true spiritually. When God saved you, he came in and through you, into you, and works through you through the Holy Spirit, and nothing came between you and him at first. If you remember when you first got saved, if you truly got saved, you didn't care who thought what. You wanted to tell everybody. You were excited. You were passionate. But it didn't take very long at all, did it, for the enemy to try to get back in and gain some ground in your mind and tell you you're crazy if you invite your uh, neighbor to church. You're crazy if you share Christ with a co-employee in today's time in society. And so that's why we have to stay in direct communication. So to stay purposeful in our praying, okay, to stay purposeful in our praying, we must, and I want to encourage you to write these down in, in, on, on your notes and your iPhone, wherever, and go back to these because you're going to need it. Uh, I, know, I know I do, but I want to give you some purposes, some ways, uh, literally, that will help you in your prayer life. The first way is make prayer a priority in your life. We must make prayer a priority in our life. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, I want you to look at what this says. It says, do not be, everybody say anxious. Do not be anxious about anything but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace, look at that, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he said, pray about everything. Pray about everything, he said, in your life as a child of God. Why? Because God wants to be in every part of our life. God wants to be a part of our life in everything that we do. Young people, God wants you praying to Him about who you should date. 
God wants you praying to him about your sphere of influence and your friends. Adults, God wants you praying to him about where you should work or should you continue to work where you're working. God wants you to pray about the relationships that you build. And he certainly doesn't want you laying awake at night, as we've talked about, being anxious and stressing. So he says, don't be anxious, but everything, pray. But then he says, in supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I had the privilege and opportunity uh, this past week to go and hang with our um, most well-seasoned member of this church. She's 98 years old, Miss Michael. And I went by and I picked us up both an anointed blizzard. Uh, from Dairy Queen, and got her the turtle pecan, uh, you know, whatever deal, and I got me the uh, sea-salted caramel. Who has had the sea-salted caramel blizzard? Because it is of God. There is a holy cow somewhere that just keeps producing sea-salted caramel. I don't know how that works. How does that come out of a cow? But anyway, um, but I do. I really know how it works. Right? So, um, the caramel you don't get from the cow. I figured that part out. Um, but the milk sure is good. Now, so I just went by, hung out with her. We were having a good time visiting with her. And uh, she looked at me uh, toward the end of our visit there. And, and somehow, I don't even remember how, but prayer got brought up. And uh, I think that's what it was. Uh, she was a burden about her son. And I was praying for her son who's had some health issues. And uh, she looked at me about prayer. And here's what she said. She said, well, pastor, she said, I tell you, she said, she said, pretty much, she said, the, the, the majority of my prayer is just thanksgiving, you know. She said, just thanking him, just thanking him for who he is and what he's, what he's done. And I thought, wow, that, how powerful that is. And that's literally how Jesus taught. You don't see a whole lot of long passages on prayer. You see uh, Scripture scattered in for different places, and I'm going to give you some of those. Uh, but the one place that Jesus did say that is he did say, Hallowed be thy name, hallowed the Father, come into his uh, throne, into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart. And literally, he will begin to take some things that you think are major and make them minor because he'll put, you've got to have a healthy perspective. That's another key. It's not only to be purposeful, but you've got to have a healthy perspective and pray, and he'll bring a healthy perspective. So here's what happens. When you, when you prioritize the purpose, he gives you a healthy perspective, and then what does he do? He brings you peace. He brings you peace that passeth all understanding for your life. An example of that is some of you in here, and I, and I pray over marriages. I pray when some people say, please keep praying for my husband. He's lost. He needs Jesus. Pray for my wife. He's lost. He needs Jesus. And I know the tendency to want to tote that and pick up what is intended for Jesus to pick up. And he's saying, don't do that. Don't do that. You purposeful, uh, prioritize prayer, and you literally uh, watch me bring peace into your life as you do that and honor me. So pray about everything. Make prayer a priority in your life. Second way, have a place and a time. Have a place and a time. Mark one thirty-five. Jesus, rising up very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and then he prayed. Okay, this is key, having a place and a time. God showed me this over the last month, and so it's helping me, because I certainly am not where I want to be in my prayer life, but I'm trying to grow in that. But what helped me is to realize this concept. Every day, Every day, I have an appointment with God, and God has an appointment with me. And here's the deal. He shows up whether I do or not. He shows up at that appointment whether I do or not. And what does that mean? Why is that changing the way I think about prayer and making sure I have a time and a place? Because I don't want to stand God up. I know, you know what I'm saying? It's not fun to be stood up. And so every day, he's just there waiting on that appointment for me to start my day. I believe literally to start my day in that appointment. And so having a time and a place, Jesus got up early in the morning. And so as I've looked at my own life, I, 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 I try to have a time and a place. 
And it may not be an hour that I can spend in prayer. It may be five minutes. It may be two on certain days. But a constant, consistent discipline to where I go. And so one of my places is literally uh, my fire pit in the backyard. And it's been very hard over the last 27 days. Uh, you know what I'm saying? On the cool mornings, and well, a few we've had, but when it's cool, I like to have a fire. And so my wife said, no fire. There's a ban on fires, you know. And so I don't, my wife doesn't want me to be a stumbling block to the neighbors. I said, well, baby, I could go out and wet the whole area down with a water hose and then kind of build a fire. But I can't, all right? So I'm going to abide by the, abide by the law. But my fire pit, that's one of my places. And I've got chairs out there. And so I've started changing even my mindset to know that God is literally, God is literally out there around that fire pit. And he's got, I've got an appointment with him to start my mornings off. And so I said, okay, God, I want to be there. I've got a backup plan in case it rains, and that's my back screen deck. Now, one of the places I have kind of places, it's at a desolate place. That's about as desolate as I can get, you know what I'm saying, before I leave my place, is to get out of my fireplace. And that's the reason. You need a place where there's very little distraction. You need a place to talk to God where the news is not on and it's not the first thing that you turn on because you know, as well as I know, the news is not going to help you in any way have a good perspective on your day, is it? And so literally you need a time and a place. You need to start with two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, whatever, and praying to God, praising Him for what He's done, a time, morning. Uh, literally also there were other occasions in Jesus' life, depending on what He is going through, that He occasionally he prayed all night long. He prayed all night long because of what he was in and the struggle he was in and the warfare. And so he prayed all night long. But I encourage most people, literally, that you need to prioritize your prayer time uh, for when you're getting ready to start your day. So the only way that I would recommend prioritizing nighttime prayer over morning time prayer is if you work third shift, right? Because generally, generally, if you don't work third shift and you work during the day, there's not a whole lot between 10 p.m., 11 p.m., and 5, 4, 5, 6 uh, a.m. that you're going to need God for, right? Unless you're like me and you get the elbow from your wife and you're going to need a little prayer of healing for soreness, for snoring too loud, maybe. But as far as facing your day and warfare and all that, no. You're not going to even be alert or mental. And so you just have to know, I've got to prioritize a time and a place and then Literally, a third way that we see that basically enhances prayer in our life is that we be pure, okay? We be pure. What does it mean to be pure? It means I have no unconfessed sin in my heart. I have no unconfessed sin in my heart. In fact, that's the only reason that Jesus can't hear us. He's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you and me. And so the only reason he can't, he is ready, willing, able, has his ear turned toward us. But the only way he cannot hear our prayers and take them to the Father is if we have unconfessed sin in our heart. And so we have to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us and say, hey, you know that, uh, you know that right there that you're doing? You know those thoughts you're having that's an addiction? Uh, that's sin. You need to get serious about it. I don't take that lightly, he says. Hey, you know that situation right there you've got going on in your life? You know that addiction? You need to get serious about it. There's sin in your life. There's unconfessed sin. That disobedience, it's unconfessed sin. James 5, 16 says it like this. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Or one translation says, the prayer of a righteous in, uh, has, uh, it availeth to much. Much happens to a prayerful person. So what type of people I want praying for me? I want people praying for me that have a pure heart. I want people praying for me that at least have a desire to be holiness, uh, holy and take sin serious and confessing their sins before they approach the throne of God. You want the same thing. 
And that's why uh, it's so important for your elders to stay in tune and connected with God and close and clean, uh, basically, is because uh, when people come and they need prayer, uh, whether it be spiritually or for healing, James said, let them go before the church and call upon the elders. And the truth in that context is, is it's more about the faith of the person that they have in the elders and their walk with God and communication with God than it is even their own faith. And so... So we want to be, and God wants to raise you up to be uh, a prayer warrior in that. I believe that, and I believe he's doing that in our church. A fourth way, quickly, is be persistent. Be persistent. Not only are you to be purposeful, uh, not only are you basically to have a place and a time and to be pure, but be persistent. That means literally pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says simply that, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Pray continually. Pray continually. So you can be, and I know, I know this can be difficult. It has been for me. But you can be in a state of prayer throughout your entire day and be in tune with the Spirit of God as you walk with the Spirit. So you need to have that time and place in the morning to start your day because here is a truth. If you don't believe it, try it. If you do not believe this, try it. I was challenged with this. I've been trying it, and I said it's true. There's no doubt about it. If you prioritize God in the start of your day, if you prioritize him and say, God, I'm going to give you the first two minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, 20 minutes, whatever it turns into that the Spirit leads you. If you prioritize him and say, I'm going to give it to you first before I turn on the news, before I have in-depth conversation with anybody else, we know what God will do. God will redeem your time through the rest of the day. He'll redeem it. Your day will go smoother if you start it with God. Promise you. Promise you. So why is it that we have great anxiety in our life? Why is it that I have great worry and concern in my life and I pick up things that I have no business picking up and what God's called me to do rather than letting him tote it for me because I start without him and I don't make time for him and I don't make that appointment. And, and so as we make that appointment and as we prioritize prayer and are purposeful about it, then literally God will begin to build into our lives uh, a persistency to where we can be in tune with the Holy Spirit through the day. So I'm able to talk to him even when I'm driving. Have you ever passed me and I've got my eyes closed? I'm talking, I'm, I pray with my eyes open, and I pray some of y'all do. I tell all these 15-year-olds that just get their permit, please, to let me know so I can stay off the road till they... Um, I'm just kidding. But anyway, I pray with my eyes open, right? And we need to do that because it is... Um, a time that we pray without ceasing. And so Elijah represented that in 1 Kings 18, 41 through 46, and we won't read it, but I'll just tell you, for time's sake, he literally, um, he told those that were worshiping Baal, he said, hey, call upon your God. He said, where's your God? He kept sarcastically, and then sarcastically, he, that, no, their God didn't answer, because a little g God can't answer. And, and, and he can't come through and can't provide. And so he said, well, I'm going to call upon my God. But before I do, he sarcastically said, fill the uh, troughs up around the altar three times. Fill them up three times with the water. Bring as much water as you've got because I'm about to call on the real God. And he did. And God, boom, consumed the altar with a fire. And then right after that, he's having to pray because there's a, there, there um, literally was a drought. There wasn't any, any rain. And so he prays for that, and he prays, but he's persistent in his praying because he sends the messenger to go look uh, at the clouds and all of that, and he, and he sends them back, and nothing, nothing. First six times, nothing. And the seventh time he goes to look, he says, it's starting to get dark in the sky, and it's starting to get cloudy. And it's because Elijah was persistent and had to be in that in his prayer. So we're persistent in our prayer. That means we continue steadfastly. Look at Colossians 4 and verse 2. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 
steadfastly in prayer, communicating, talking to God, keeping that relationship and in, 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 in communication and companionship with Him above all other relationships. And a fifth and final way is, is be more passionate about God's plan than your plan. Be more passionate about God's plan for your life than your plan. And I have to be more passionate about His plan than my plan. And that's where He told His disciples, with one of the longer passages He dealt with, they said, how, how do we pray? How should we pray? And that's where He taught them that if you will hallow the name of the Father, and if you will pray to Him, and worship Him, and sing to Him, and praise Him, and then begin to thank Him, for, for who he is and for what he's done, God will take your perspective. He'll change your perspective and what the things you were anxious about and the physical things that you were concerned and worried about, he will put them in perspective and you will see them in a whole different light, in a whole different way. And then he goes on to say at the beginning of that, pray thy kingdom come, the Lord's kingdom come, the Lord's will be done, not yours, not yours. And as you bow your head and you close your eyes and you look at your own communication, is it vertical? Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? Is it unhealthy? Is, is there, I mean, are, are you, I guess I'll just ask this. Are you going to start looking at your relationship with God and prayer as you have an appointment with God? Are you going to find a place? Are you going to say, God, even if it's 30 seconds, I'm going to do everything I can to talk to you and start my day with you, God. And I promise you, if you stay consistent in 30, it'll grow. It'll grow. You'll have days where 30 may be all you get, but it'll grow. And there'll be more passion produced in and through you. I want to give you a few closing reminders about prayer, okay? Prayer is my main line of communication with God. It's my main line of communication. It's the way I talk to Him the way you talk to him. Prayer is the reason God moves on my behalf. That's why Paul said Romans 12, 12, be constant in prayer. And prayer is the key to staying in tune with God. In tune. In tune means praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Just like tuning a piano. If a piano sets and it's not in a healthy environment and, and you don't take care of it, it has to be tuned. And the same is true of us spiritually. We have to be tuned, and we want to be in tune with God, and the Holy Spirit tunes us up as we talk to God. And then prayer is the weapon that makes a way through the warfare. A weapon that makes a way through the warfare. So talk to God. Find a place. Have a prayer closet. Have a fire pit. Have a screened-in deck. Have a place to pray. Pray and talk to God. Pray out loud. Command the demons of hell in Jesus' name to get their hands off of you to get their hands off of your marriage, to get their hands off of your children. Pray. I closed with an acrostic on the word prayer, and I want to ask you just to try to remember this or jot it down. And it's very simple, but I believe it's very spot on. Prayer. P is this. Put off everything else until you pray. Put off everything else until you pray every day. Or remember the Lord your God and worship Him for who He is and praise Him for what He's done. A, ask for the spiritual before the physical. Ask for the spiritual before the physical. And why? Yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. David.
Yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit, well, you don't even know how to pray. If you'll just get in tune and make the time and purpose it and make the time and place and prioritize God, the Holy Spirit will pray in and through you and teach you how to pray to where it absolutely even makes you stronger as a believer. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you what I asked the 9 o'clock with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you would say, Pastor, I know there is room for growth in my prayer life and communicating with God, and I desire to grow in that area. Would you just lift your hand up along with mine so God can see it? Number one, he's the main one, but I want to pray over you as your pastor, Shepherd. Thank you. Thank you for that. So I'm going to pray. So if you're here today, you can come pray around this altar. You can make an altar there. You can come for counseling, whatever. You just follow the Holy Spirit. And then if you're here today and you, don't, you do not have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know you're our guest, our honored guest today. And you're the very reason that we come to be equipped is to help people like you find direction in life. And if you need Jesus today, if you would just confess your sins right there and ask him to be your Lord and Savior, he'll save you. And if you do that, you let us know. We'll be glad to help you in any way to tell you the next steps as far as following through in baptism and becoming a part of a local church. Father, I love you, God. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for prayer. And thank you, Lord God, for the power, Lord, that you, God, made possible, Lord, by conquering death, hell, and the grave, that we have that type of power, Lord. God, help us slow down, Father, in a chaotic, busy world. Prioritize you, God. Purpose it in our heart to commune and talk with you, to have communication, companionship, God. And Lord, we just know, Father, you'll be faithful to do your part, Father. So we ask, seek, and knock, God. Increase our prayer life, God. Increase our faith, Father God. And Lord, help our unbelief, Father, as we look to you. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand very respectful.